Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regressing to the mean since 2015, it's the Hockey Pediocast. With your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey Pediocast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me somehow for the first time ever on this broadcast, we've been trying to make this work for, I feel like, years now, but finally, the Predators are in town. I'm getting my good buddy Chris Mason on the show. Mace, what's going on, man? Not much. Just uh, rolling in Vancouver the other day and just enjoying the, the grind. Last game of a road trip. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's quite a grind, and I think this Predator season especially feels like it's 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 probably taken some years off your life, it feels like, right? And just in terms of the stress and the ups and downs. It feels like, I don't know this is fair to say, I'm sure every team's fan base feels this way, but like the highs and the lows of this team, like when you catch them on their best night, how good they look versus how good how bad they can look at times, you're like, this can't yeah. be the same team. No, it's it's been really weird. And, uh, you know, especially the way the, the season starts, starting the off season, you know, they get Matt Duchesne and really got that, you know, other player in the top six, to, to try to get that one-two punch up top, and uh, you know, and that's something they've been pursuing for yeah. like years now under David Boyle. Yeah, they really have. Like they've had, you know, the, the Joe Fly with Johansson, Forsberg, and Arvidsson as that top line. That's been really good. But after that, it was kind of, um, you know, pretty offensively evenly distributed up and down the lineup. And um, they get off to this great start to the season. They're just scoring a bunch of goals. Weren't really playing great defensively, but Pecorine got off to an amazing start. So he's covering up, I think, a lot of the defensive issues the team was having. And then reality kind of set in about uh, 11, 12 games into the season and, and, and just didn't, didn't start going uh, well. And it kind of fell off the rails then. They went through a really tough stretch, and it's been, it's been up and down ever since. It's, you know, they haven't won more than uh, two games in a row since November. Yeah. So it's been, uh, it's been a really tough season, but it's starting to turn around. I think they're starting to play a lot better lately more uh you know better in the defensive zone and it's it's it feels like this team like you said is coming to what you know what we thought they would be yeah i mean they came in with obviously high expectations especially after the summer they had and sort of the adjustments to the roster it felt like i don't know for whatever reason i'm not maybe this more so from the outside than how they felt internally but it felt like 
you know, they made the playoffs the past couple of years, but ever since that Stanley Cup run in 2017, it feels like there's been a bit of, maybe it's just unfair to them, kind of like a malaise from the outside where um, they, they were kind of the talk of the league in that season, right? And everyone was like, oh my God, like yeah. Nashville is such a great hockey city. This team's so exciting to watch. They have all these young, yeah. fast-paced players. And then, you know, especially last year, like how they went out in round one against Dallas when they just ran into this like brick wall defensively. It yeah. felt like there was at least some sort of an impetus to like, let's try to, with this same core, try to move some pieces around to get the most out of these guys while we still can yeah it, it felt like you know after that great run they win the president's trophy and then they win the central again yep. uh you know this is a team that's talked about every year to be you know yeah, very high for the Stanley yeah. cup right and like you said they had those two uh you know the the disappointing loss to winnipeg the year before mm-hmm. and then and dallas like you said they ran into dallas there and lost in six they, they've been that team that just ever since that run just has had trouble getting over the hump and, you know, that's why this year it felt like, all right, you got Matt Duchesne now, you know, some of the issues with the goal scoring and, you know, it's a lot easier to shut down a team if you're just trying to, you know, shut down one line offensively. And the fact that now they have these two lines in theory should be a lot better, but it's just for whatever reason. And, and it's the trouble, it, the most of the trouble is when they play at home. Right. You know, they, which is they, weird because they it, should have one of the best home base advantages. Yeah. And it's been like traditionally every year they, you know, they have one of the best home records right. in the league. That's a tough place, but for whatever reason, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, just the, the pressure at home. A lot of teams are actually having trouble. Yeah. Winnipeg's having trouble. All these teams that are tough buildings to play Calgary, same thing. I think it kind of speaks to the parody of the league where it's like, yeah. it seems like on any given night, like any team. I mean, we just saw last night or, or yesterday afternoon, Detroit beats Boston. I know. And you're just like, how does that happen? happen? <laughs> There's no way that should ever you have happen. to pull within yeah. 48 <laughs> points of them in the standings. It's crazy. Do you think, do you think part of it though is, is, um, this might be kind of reading or, or psychoanalyzing too much, but it's kind of like trying to figure out the identity. Cause I always thought that the team with the personnel they have, I mean, you know, when they're firing on all cylinders of the OCNLs in the back end, and then obviously with, you know, Forsberg and Arvidsson, like it is, it should be a high octane kind of run and gun offensive team, but I don't know. Part of it might be coaching. Part of it might be just like how teams feel that in today's NHL, you come playoffs, you do need to play a different way to be more successful. And maybe seeing Dallas firsthand and what they did to them, maybe part of it was like, we see the personnel, we we know that we can be that, but we want to kind of play the long game and, and be more defensively sound. And, and sometimes we saw with the Leafs, for example, yeah. or Mike Babcock, where yeah. like, if you have the horses, but you're trying to do something else, sometimes it can be kind of a clash of styles. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And I always think that too. And you look at the two teams last year, Boston and St. Louis, yeah. you know, that yeah, they they both have some offensive weapons, but they play really stingy defensively. Mm-hmm. And I think any of the teams that have a chance, you know, Dallas was was a goal away or missed chance away from from moving on as well, so they could have very easily been um, you know, headed that way too, but I think all the teams that end up in the playoffs, you know, like like Toronto for whatever, but they just they don't play good defense. Yeah. They have the guys and and you just you can't win like that in the playoff series, I think, especially when you go up against one of those other teams. And I think now Nashville's like you said, is starting to to forge their identity in that in that mold. John mm-hmm. Hines has them playing really well uh, defensively. Went to more of a zone defense. The guys are in front of that, protecting the house. You know, they got running around. I think a little bit. Uh, you know, earlier in the year with the man on man, and it's just it's just tough to keep up. Yeah, you don't see too many teams playing that. I remember like the Patrick Wall Avs when he was coaching. Yeah, when he was playing, we're doing that, and after yeah. a while, you see like the players are just like so disoriented by it, and it leads to a comedy of errors. So. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's because it's it's you know it's unpredictable. I feel teams started 
um, you know, they know we're going man to man. Everybody scouts everybody, obviously. Right. So, you know, they'd, they'd come in and they would take our defensemen up high to the blue line. Then you have forwards in front of the net. And I, I feel like in that system, if, if one guy loses, you know, there's just constant motion. It's tough. If one guy loses their guy, you're, you're giving up a, a great A scoring chance. And the other thing is when you get the puck, it's, you know, it's tough to, to give it to someone and get out of your end. Um, you know, efficiently all the time because everybody's all over the place. So I find now with the structure that they're playing with, they're able to get the puck and then move it up and, and get out a lot cleaner. Well, what do you chalk that change up to though? Because it, it is weird to, you know, it's not like necessarily a new coach came in at the start of the season and was like, we need to completely uproot everything and change it. Like you had Pierre Laviolette, I think he was like the third or fourth longest tenured coach yep. in the league at that point. And they had past success clearly in terms of winning games, especially in the regular season. And so it's weird to see and with the goaltending as well, we can get into kind of the changes and the adjustments they've made. But you see in today's game that if you're not getting the goaltending, the coach is usually the first one to go. And yeah. that was first, like, just the, I think the bottom five teams in save percentage all basically changed their coaches at some point this season. And, and that's kind of a case study of that. And so it's, it's weird to, you had the same goalies, you had the same system, you had the same personnel, and, and the performance was just so drastically different. It's kind of weird. It is kind of weird. And that's, you know, we, we've been trying to figure this out yeah. the entire it's season. It's a million dollar question. A it's a million dollar question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we could figure out, maybe you and me would have a coaching exactly, job yeah. in the league. But it, it's it's been tough. And, and like you said, that's, that's the, the really mysterious part about it is is they they do have the same personnel they had the same coach they've got great goaltenders yep um they've got on paper probably the best team that they've ever had but for whatever reason that's you know the, you touched on the parody of the league ever there's it used to be you know whatever five ten years ago you could pick probably four or five teams that, and those would be the teams that one of them was going to win the stanley yep. cup now it's I mean, you yeah, can put the names in a hat and yeah. come out. Yeah. You get in like, you know, anyone could win it. And it's and it's awesome for hockey, but it, it really, uh, you know, really for teams that have that window of success, it's, it's, it's tough. It's not like you have a 10-year, you know, window. You, you, you've got these opportunities and you've got to win because every team, you know, the rebuilds are a lot quicker because young players come in now and they're, you know, they're star players. Yeah. Like right away and that can drastically change your team within two years. Well, that's what I say always when whenever we hear, it feels like every year there's kind of like one young upstart team that has like most of their main contributors are on ELCs and yeah. there's a lot of like, oh, well, you know, let's draw this out and be patient and maybe five years from now we're going to really win the title. And it's like, you should really try to capitalize now, especially when your best players are making yeah. money. I mean, look at the Predators now, for example, like having Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis on these like amazing, they were making what, like seven million combined or eight million combined or something before. And now yeah, before, yeah. both guys, Ellis is on his new deal. Yossi next year kicks in at nine million and it becomes a lot tougher. It's not impossible to win. Certainly you can find creative ways. Yeah. Yeah. But when you have like star contributors making less than they're supposed to be making, that's your opportunity to strike as opposed to like playing this long game. In the NHL. Yeah, exactly. Well, because then you can add and you've yeah, got exactly. a lot more flexibility yeah. and it's great. And, and like you said, you don't have to, you know, move one of those guys because eventually that's, you know, that's there to get rid of P.K. Subban and bring in Matt Duchesne. It gets a little trickier, you know, yeah. the longer you go with these guys. And Vancouver's in a very similar situation right. in terms yeah, of the Pedersen and Hughes. Yeah. Pe yeah. Like, I mean, and who expected Vancouver to be where they are compete right. for a Pacific division? title yeah you know and they got these young players and again it's it's that turnaround you know everyone probably i don't even know if anyone picked vancouver to even make the playoffs they were kind of like a trendy like sleeper yeah. pick but i i certainly thought that you know they added a lot this summer and they certainly went yeah. for it the past couple of years they haven't made it and it's kind of like this market they need to do something but yeah I, I think it's certainly surprising i think it also speaks to like what you were talking about earlier that kind of parody and sort of like any any yeah. given night like 
or the Pacific. I mean, if there all these teams were in the Metro, maybe it'd be a different story. But yeah. the opportunity presents itself, so it's up to someone to uh, to capitalize on it. We should mention talking about the Canucks, we're like in the bowels of Roger yeah, right yeah. now, recording in some dingy little like yeah. room closet or something. Going so, die hard here, yeah. Yeah, the Predators awesome. are outside, uh, kicking a soccer ball around, preparing for the game tonight, so if uh, if someone comes in, we might have some cameos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, okay, so let's get into this more then. So I'm, I'm really intrigued, especially we have like 13 games or so now under John Hines, and I was looking at the numbers, and it feels like, you know, the performance still leaves a lot to be desired, I think. There's seven and six, I believe, and it yeah. feels like they're, you know, they take two steps forward, they win a couple games, and then all of a sudden they lose. Just take those steps back, and it feels like they're like stuck in mud for whatever reason and can't seem to, to get out of it. What other changes beyond going back, changing the defensive system, trying to make easier on goalies? Like, What are your early returns so far on Hines and sort of the adjustments that coaching staff's made? Well, I think the, the biggest one for, for me is, is his issue when he came in, kind of like what you were saying earlier, is like, Hey, these guys know how to play. You know, it's not, that's not, we, we've got the players to win. Yep. It's about the, the attitude and their mentality. And I really felt like, you know, this year, it's, it's just confidence. No matter what you think, these guys are NHL players. They're the best players. How do they not confident? Well, you just tell in their game. At times, there's, there's they're fragile. Some sometimes they'll they'll give up a goal, and then there'll be an eight minute stretch where where they kind of fall apart, and then they're chasing the game, and you know they have to make a big push or, or able to come back sometimes. But I, I feel the way that they look now, the last probably three four games i really feel like they're starting to develop an identity mm-hmm. and you talked about how important that is earlier and that's that's the thing i don't think this team had an identity i don't i really couldn't tell you what kind of team they were but now i can start to see that they're going to be that team that's you know one of the harder working teams that's kind of the that's been their forte that's you know nashville predators have always been considered a hard working team and, and this year it's kind of been in and out at times and i think that the compete level from their top players is starting to get a lot better and the investment um you know, there's, there's, there's always the guys that are going to, you know, Bo Horvats and, you know, we got Nick Benino, Victor. Mm-hmm. Those guys are always going to work hard. Rocco Grimaldi, they're, they're always every single game. But you need, you know, Ryan Johansson to buy in. You need him to work hard and, and be emotionally invested. And he's starting to do that. And it just, it's really contagious. So I feel, although the seven and six, the first game was a throwaway because he just got there that day. Yeah. And then I think it was Boston. Yeah, yeah it's tough. Let him up. So, but but lately, I just I just like the way that it, it's, they played three solid. They lost Edmonton last game, but they played good enough to win. They played a really solid game. So it's 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 starting to turn around. It feels in my like they're opinion. like cursed in a weird, like that, that Capitals yeah. game where they scored on themselves like two or three times the Bonino goal. And then most recently in Edmonton, the big goal where uh, McDavid shoots it on the power play yeah. basically goes off Terrace and in. And it feels yeah. like for whatever reason, like it's not like the most analytical thing. But it's I know. just like, it's just like, yeah. It's one of those things you just raise your hands and you're like, what can you do? It's, yeah, exactly. It's a mess. Yeah. Um, the one grievance I do have is Philip, Philip Forsberg's usage. And, and, you know, I joke on Twitter, I call him Filipovich Forsberg. And, 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 <laughs> and, and, and I love watching the guy. I think he's one of the most electric players in the league. And for whatever reason, he's never been the most like heavily relied upon five on five guy. You know, they try to get him out in offensive situations, especially on the power play and high leverage scoring areas. But, you know, he's playing like, there's games where it's like 15 minutes and 15 minutes a night. And I'm just like, I, I just want them to fully unleash him. Like first it was Austin Matthews this year under Mike Babcock. And I was like, when you have a guy who can put the puck in the net like that, just play him 20, 21, 22 minutes, especially if you're trailing and you need goals. And that's been my recurring issue, both with Laviolette at the start of the year. And then now under Hines where it's like, they need to unleash this guy. Like as much as you can rave about Rocco Grimaldi and how hard yeah. he plays. And yeah. it's like the talent level is just such a disparity. And I, I get that you want, as especially as a new coach, you want players to earn their ice time and you want them to earn their opportunity and not just rest on their laurels and their, and their God given talent. But with yeah. Forsberg, it's like, man, I just want this guy to be up there in usage and be leading the league in scoring. Cause he's that talented. 
Well, that and that's the thing, and they and those players they need those minutes. Yeah, you know, it's they're not used to playing the the thirteen, fourteen yeah. minutes and having success. They need to play, you know, the seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. You know, you look at McDavid and Drysdale, mm-hmm. they're they're defensive minutes. I mean, they're twenty two. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna go down, go down. Yeah. firing haymakers, are their yeah. best players. Exactly yeah. right, and it's uh, I think that's the thing. But it, it's it's been a weird season. In terms of that too, because there's always, it always seems like there's one guy they they're trying to get going. Like right now, it's Victor Arvidsson, mm-hmm. so he's playing yep. he's playing with Forsberg. So then, because Arvidsson isn't going, then Forsberg you know gets gets punished a little bit. Early in the year, it was uh, it was Kyle Turris. They mm-hmm. want to try to get Kyle Turris going. Now he's playing a lot better. He's playing those minutes, but yeah. you know, but the guys on that line they get punished because the coach doesn't want to put that guy out there at right. that certain time. But I agree with you. I think. You know, these guys, eventually the Murphy's Law, it's going to come. They're going to score goals, but they need the, you know, they need those extra three, four, five minutes a game. Well, and the strange thing is I they started off the year with it where they were just riding that Duchesne and Granlin Forsberg line, and they were one of the most yeah. kind of dynamic offensive lines in the league. And then for whatever reason, they went away from it. And maybe it is as simple as like, they're trying to use Forsberg kind of like that osmosis. It's like, quit yeah. struggling. Let's just play him with him yeah. and try to get that guy going because he's that good and he can make everyone around him better. Yeah, but exactly. it is also, it's like a double-edged sword where on the one hand it's like maybe we should be using Forsberg in more advantageous situations for himself as opposed to worrying about the guys around him yeah exactly and that's you know it's it, it's just it's been just a weird year and you know even even Duchesne's minutes you know a lot of those guys too they're used to playing the 18 19 you know minutes a game right. and, and for Phil right now you can just it, it almost feels like there's good stretches in a game and then it, it but it's it's hard for these guys to get into it I think because you know there's guys that are you know, third, fourth line guys that are, they're used to, they're used to, you know, they, they've trained themselves to yeah. be able to, to take those breaks or if they're going to get their penalty kill minutes and not play on the power play, so be it. But the, the Forsbergs of the world, you got to get him out there all the time. And, you know, you got to get, you know, God, maybe put him in some situations you're not normally going to put him for him to get his minutes. Well, that's kind of been a, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a great point in terms of like finding as a coach, like little moments here or there, whether it's like right after a penalty kill where like you load up the top yeah. line or, or, or just get it, like trying to squeeze in every single extra shift you can because the likelihood of him generating a goal is so much higher than some of these other yeah. lines. And I, I guess that's been my issue with both coaching staffs. If I was in John Hines's ear, I'd be just preaching like, just go down swinging with your best guys. I think NHL coaches <laughs> yeah. sometimes, listen, they're a lot smarter than I. They know much, they've forgotten <laughs> much more about the game than I'll ever know. Yeah. But just from the outside, it's like, I get that, the game is so fast now that you want to be able to have that depth and rely on four lines and keep everyone fresh and keep everyone engaged in a, in a particular game. But teams, I feel like if there's one thing you can take from the NBA, it's like rely on your star players a bit more where just get your top guys out there. I think the Predators have had like the most tightly condensed usage of five on five in terms yeah. of like their fourth line plays almost as much as their first line at times. And, yeah. and it can be infuriating. I know like the more analytical uh, portions of the Predators fan base are, are pulling their hair out online yeah. every night where it's like, come on, let's get these top guys out there. And, and I, I don't know what the answer is other than like, you just got to trust those guys a bit more. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's tough, you know, and, and you're right. And it's the, the Preds do have a very, a deep four line right. team but but again um you know the the disparity of ice time between the first and the fourth isn't that much compared to you yeah. know most other teams yeah you look at the, the oilers and it's like on oh. any given night it's like jerry Seidel and mcdavid are out there for at least a third of the game if not yeah. like almost half yeah it, no, and, and they're playing on separate lines yeah. now it's used without but again they always find the opportunities to to get them out there and they 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 seem to handle obviously they're both uh, one, two in the league in scoring, and those guys are it's just crazy. So I'm sure they're they're maybe calling the shots there in Edmonton. But yeah, I think you know as, as the season goes on, I think they're going to have to to start doing that mm. because, like you said, at the end of the day, those are the guys that are going to 
you know, get Preds are on the outside right now. Those yep. are the guys that are going to get you to the promised land. Well, yeah, the it's so tight. I like every point right now. I mean, if you look at it, it feels like those top three in the central are probably going to be the top three yeah. in some order right now. But that wild card, I mean, yeah. whether it's Winnipeg, Arizona, Calgary, you know, Minnesota and Chicago are climbing yeah. into it. It's like, and every night it seems like it's really tricky because on the one hand, it's like, oh, it's only three or four points difference. But all of these teams seem to be playing each other every night. And it's there's unreal. so many three-point games that yeah. like making up at this point, like every single passing day makes each point like that much more difficult to overcome. Yeah. I mean, this is the best time of the year yeah. because you, like you said, and, every, and it just it flip-flops every single night, you know, and you got the, the three-point games. And I think, you know, for the Preds, they have a lot of, uh, I think they have 13 games against the Central Division. They got a lot of Central Division matchups against those teams that are ahead of them and behind them. So yeah. it's uh, it's crazy, but it's, it's all these... I love when there's so many teams in the battle because every game is just so huge and you're watching other games all the time and the outcome. And, um, you know, it's not a situation that Nashville figured that they'd be in. You know, right. this, is a, this is a team that was supposed to be... Yeah, uh, they were penciling as one of those three Central Yeah, they're gonna, you know, they're going to win the Central or compete for, to yeah. win the Central Division. But, um, you know, you just got to embrace where you're at. And I, I think, you know... You, you, we've all seen this. The timing is so crucial when you're going down to the playoffs, and I, I feel like, you know, optimistic about the way that Nashville's playing right now, and mm. I feel their best. They haven't hit their stride and played their best hockey, so um, this is a team that's more than capable of putting a pretty good stretch together. Yeah, of all those teams I listed, I certainly believe that their best game is better than all those teams, yeah. but like being able to consistently that's reach that key. level is yeah, exactly. what separates the best that's teams been, from the wildcard teams. Yeah, that's so. been the story of the season. Yeah. And uh, I think it was I, I think it was November, it might have been October, but where they haven't won more than than two in a row. Yeah. So it, it's been like that. It's been uh just an emotional grind for this team, but it could be it could be something that's going to pay dividends. How do you feel where do you stand on the uh like the current system with not only the seating but like how the points are divvied out? Uh, you know, it, it was certainly a bit different when you were playing in terms of obviously the divisional formats and the one through eight, like on the one hand, I think the league loves it because it really kind of heightens that sort of the parody and the fact that, you know, as we approach the deadline now, like there's like four or five teams that are sellers and every other team could con conceivably talk itself into like, yeah. we're in the playoff hunt. Maybe we can add a piece or two here and our fans should keep coming to games and buying jerseys and being excited about this team. And so the league loves that because it's kind of more inclusive of everyone. But on the other hand, I think as a player, it would probably drive you nuts a little where like you don't necessarily control your destiny nearly as much because there is so much volatility and randomness. And if you're just stuck in yeah. a really tough division one season, you might be like looking, if you're a Metro team right now and you're, let's say on the flyers, for yeah. example, and you're like, we would be leading the Pacific division. I know. And you must just be like every day, you just be like, ah, oh, this sucks so much. The fact that we have all these crazy good teams ahead of us. I know it's, it is crazy. I mean, there's, there's been a lot of good ideas thrown out there about, you know, restructuring playoff format. I, I find that, you know, for for our situation in Nashville, the you played. I think it was two years ago. We played Winnipeg in the second yeah, round, and that felt like it was like I know that Winnipeg wound up losing to yeah. Vegas, but that felt like it was like at yeah. the time it was like this feels like this is the best team in the West representing. Yeah, well, they're the top two yeah. point uh, total yeah. in the league. I think yeah. they were you know so it was one and two, right and then they played yeah. in the second round. I think that's what it was. But I, I just I don't feel I know it's it gets those you get that matchup you might get the Edmonton Calgary which everybody would love uh, those types of things but I just think in terms of you're playing 82 games you should have if you're the top team like you should have the advantage every yeah. round to play the, yeah, the lowest it. seed yeah. is how I think it should be because um, you know that series right there you got the top two teams in the NHL playing each other in the second round so that's I I feel like they could do the the one to eight thing again. Yeah. 
Oh, well, I I would love to see the team start picking their opponents. I know they're never going to oh, do that. that people be, are, people be, are going to get offended. I, oh, I yeah, get yeah. it. But like, oh, imagine the storylines oh, of like, especially God. the first team and you pick like what you think is the worst team in the league. Yeah. You're basically implying you that you do like a that. draft style. Oh, too, yeah. like, and imagine you post that on yeah. national yeah. TV. Oh my like, God, that'd be hilarious. Everyone will be watching that. Oh yeah, for um, sure. All right, so let's talk more about positive stuff then. I feel like, you know, the tone's generally been optimistic because we do feel like this team can turn around. But, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about Roman Yossi because it felt like the way the season started, um, John Carlson built such a head start for himself in the Norris. And it feels like sometimes that's the key to winning individual awards because people just sort of check out from the conversation where it's like, I I think there's still people now that are just like, oh, yeah, John Carlson because of his hot start and leading the league in scoring and whatnot. It's like, it's his and we're just not even going to revisit it. Yeah. But I think based on the impact and, and just, it feels Yossi's checking so many boxes this year. I mean, he's leading the the team in scoring, by I think like 16 points, um, you know, he's, I think he's four seconds behind Thomas Shabbat for most usage in the league. He's yeah. playing over 26 minutes. He's playing, I think, you know, I was critical of how John Hines is using his forwards. I think, and part of it is Ryan Ellis being out for most of that time, yeah. but he's been just leaning on Yossi in these games where he's playing north of 20 minutes at five on five every single night. Um, I think he's like fifth in shot attempts behind like Ovechkin, Pasternak, McKinnon. You just typically don't see defensemen other than Brent Burns in that discussion. And I know there's been some conversation in the past though, like how much he gives away defensively versus offensively with his style and whether his five on five impact was as big, but this year it's right up there with any of them. And and I I think both him and like Alex Petrangelo are right there in the conversation with John Carlson. But I think people sort of nationally just, just chalk it up to Carlson because of that hot start. Yeah. Well, that's what happens. You get a guy and, and Hey, you know, tip of the cap to, to Carlson. He's, he's having a fantastic year and he's doing good things, but he did get off to such a, that start and everyone, you know, basically just give him the award already. Right. right. So, but I, I, but I do think, uh, you know, Roman Yossi, um, there's a lot of good defensemen. I don't think there's any defenseman that's like him in terms of the way that he's able to get the puck and skate it up the yeah, ice. His transitional impact, his transition. Yeah. And, and the way that he just, he, he skates through and he, he skates out of the zone into the zone and he creates offense almost all on his own. Yep. Like he's in a way he's McDavid esque, you right. know, as a defenseman, yep. obviously he's not quite, you know, that, that speed burst, but he's, he's really, he's so good on his edges, the way that he handles the puck and the way that he self generates chances. He doesn't need, doesn't need any support really yep. to generate a chance. And I don't, think there's any defensemen that that play like that a lot of a lot of the you know john carlson's of the world are you know they're joining the rush or they're you know they're handing it off to alex ovechkin he's a good playmaker but yeah. I, I feel the way that roman generates his offense is, is he, he's the best in the league at it and defensively like you said he's he hasn't been compromised this year either yeah you look it, it's i guess it's kind of like a strange football analogy but if you're like john carlson feels much more like a your traditional like quarterback defenseman especially yeah. the power play where he's sitting back and he's yeah. and he's passing it whereas if anything, Roman Rose, he's like a quarter uh, running back where it's like he just takes the yeah. puck and then he just kind of goes first yeah. through the hole himself. And you're right, that that just like sort of one man fast break of his, it is sort of very Connor McDavid like in terms of how much he can create from scratch. And even at the end of shifts, and I think what the most impressive thing is, you know, we still haven't nailed down like the optimal amount of minutes for number one defenseman in terms of like because you don't want these guys taking shifts off or preserving yeah. their energy. Like the Ryan Suter is the best example where it's like there was times where he's playing north of 30 minutes. And if you know that every night you're going to be playing that in a second of a back to back, it's it's human nature to sort of pick your spots more and maybe yeah. not go full blast on every single shift. Whereas with a guy like Riosi, he sort of, he has to, and he's, he and, he's and he's managed to do it while yeah. still playing that crazy, crazy workload of minutes. Well, exactly. And, and you talk about the, the skating, I'd like to get a, 
you know, when, once they start doing yeah, the distance uh, covered or yeah, something. Yeah, the distance yeah. covered and those types of things that are coming if they do the player track and which will be really cool. Um, the speed and the amount of skating and the, the distance covered. And I, I feel like he, he covers more than almost anybody, especially a defenseman because he's not a stationary guy. He's constantly moving, leading the rush. Mm-hmm. And, and when he does that and he gets a puck and he's in the offensive zone and he, he just, he handles it like, you know, you know like a Connor McDavid or a, a dry saddle that really, um, you know, demands that, that, puck on his stick all the time and he makes plays and he's just such a smooth graceful player but um you know he's definitely got to be i, I gotta get more into the analytics i want to yeah. i want to start making a push for his norris uh candidacy but there's so many uh you know deeper layers of analytics that i think he really excels in if you're comparing him to the other top guys well it is strange and it's funny how how this stuff changes because you know i think in the past couple of years and, and last year he had a, a bit of a down year in terms of his underlying numbers and you know the eye test he's always been i think mm-hmm. one of the most impressive defensemen in terms of you just watch him you're like that guy he can skate like anyone yeah. else and he, <laughs> yeah. he's good but then for whatever reason part of it might have been because of how often he was on the rush and and maybe he felt like he could do so because of who he plays with and how loaded their defense was but it was giving back a bit defensively and so it felt like the eye test favored him much more than analytics whereas this year if anything it's like the more traditional counting stats carlson has the head leg up in terms of the yeah. production and the power play he plays on but if you just look at like how much Yossi generates for his team and some of that underlying impact. If anything, he has like the best case of the bunch, which is really fascinating to yeah. see how much that pendulum swung. Well, that's kind of cool too. And that's, uh, I'd like to find out more about that too, because obviously the, the team and the, the supporting cast around you has got a lot to do with, yeah. you know, Carlson as well. He's got some, you know, obviously some elite yes. offensive yeah. weapons, some of the best get in the him world. Get the get out of the way. <laughs> yeah, 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 seriously, right? But uh, but no, the, the way that Yossi's, you know, he's, he's the one leading the charge all the time and he's it's it's not you know it's not a support um where he's getting second assists and those types of things it's it's, it's primary assists it, it's he hasn't scored in a while but he's still he's still he shoots so much yeah. he shoots so much and he, he i think i don't know if it's it's been a while since he's had a goal but again and you know he's and he's doing it with old ryan Ellis for mm. a big chunk of this time well i think that's what's doubly impressive where ellis was actually you could argue in the start of the year having a a, a yeah. more impressive season i think he was actually like the number one player in the entire league and in, in uh the goals above replacement metric and like his value oh, no in terms of like just he's so disciplined doesn't take penalties but still draws them as a yeah. defenseman uh defensive impact moving the puck everything he's like checks all the boxes wow. and he goes down yeah. after that nasty hit from Corey perry and ellis uh sorry yossi's usage has gone up but he's also playing with Yannick Weber, Dante Fabro, clearly being asked to do more, not having that reliable guy behind them and Ellis to to help out defensively as well. So like just everything that's been placed on his shoulders, the new contract, yeah, you know, the captaincy, it's like, it feels like all these like sort of intangible things as well, where you're like, oh man, the pressure could really get to you. And so I, I think yeah. the fact that his performance has gone up, if anything, is, is you know, really impressive. Well, I, th- I, I agree with you. And I think you, you mentioned the contract, you're being the captain yeah. and then, you know, you throw on top of that, your team's having a you know, a stinker of a year right. in terms of, you know, where they were supposed to be. It's been, a, it's been a tough year for the, for this team. And, you know, when you're the captain, you're the one, you're always in the meetings with the coaches and you're always trying to, you know, find a way to, to get your team going and it can be really taxing. And, you know, that's a lot of weight and a lot of pressure on, on a player, but the fact that he's able to to play at the level he's playing, I mean, it just, it's incredible. And, and it's, he's just been so consistent right from the start of the year on yep. a team that's been completely anything inc- but yeah. yeah and that's that's why it's it's so impressive the fact that he's you know he's single-handedly at times kept this team in the race just by the way that he's played and the way that he uh you know manages the game and he, he's that kind of a player that can you know single-handedly decide outcomes of a hockey game and he's done that yeah his imprints are all over yeah. it seems like every single night well let's kind of spin this forward then you know last year the predators were 
pretty aggressive in terms of buying at the deadline. You know, they made that swap of Fiala for Granlin, um, which kept, felt like a, clearly more of a win now move. They traded for Wayne Simmons. Like it felt like they were trying to shore up their power play was a big issue. So they were trying to fix that as well. This year, they're, they're in a much more precarious position where they're certainly in that bucket of teams that, you know, they're on the playoff bubble. They're competing for the wild card based on their past standards. I feel like they'd be selling themselves and the fan base short if they kind of just like threw in the towel and traded some of these guys. But at the same time, you look at the rental market and and there's very few impressive names available, I think. And, you know, you have Granlin as an expiring contract. You have Craig Smith. You have even, you know, we see depth defensemen like Matt Irwin or, or Yannick Weber occasionally at draft picks or prospects back. And, and so I think for David Poyle, it's going to be so fascinating to see how he how he balances that and, and whether how confident he feels in this team. I think he's talked openly in, in past interviews about like, he obviously likes this group and he's not going to like trash them, but he's like, they kind of need to show me something between yeah. now and the deadline for me to feel confident as a buyer or let alone just not to sell. And so juggling all those things, it's going to be really fascinating to see. It's going to be very telling of how he feels about this group uh, based on how he acts between now and I think the February 24th deadline. Yeah, that's, you know, it's it's so funny too because they win a couple games like, oh, they're going to be, they're yeah. going to buy. They're like going to buy. They're, they're, everyone's they're searching up yeah. like a Chris Kreider. How can he fit on this group? <laughs> all these types of players, yeah. right? But it, it really, I, I honestly, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't think they're going to, regardless, even if they win, you know, five, six in a row, they're going to make a, a big splash mm. and go for that big name. Right. I could be wrong. But uh, this this next couple of weeks is is gonna will really tell the story in terms of which way he's probably gonna be leaning. But I don't think uh, you know it's it's tough. All, all these teams add, and I just don't feel that there's ever that one that big superstar ad that really ends up paying off. It's sometimes the you know the depth guy, or if you need to you know want to shore up your defense, or maybe you know a, a penalty killer, yep. or whatever the the case may be, or a third line guy. But um, you know the, the the Preds are in a tough situation where. If if you know if you do decide that you're gonna try to go for it with this team and they're you know you, you trust that they're getting in, you hang on to Granlin and you hang on to Smith yep. and and maybe try to resign one of them or you take your chance at losing them uh, at free agency or you think well I don't know if we have it this year and you know you try to get some assets back for guys that you're probably not going to be able to resign or, or one of them anyway. Yeah, oh, and you'd think I mean especially. I mean, I think the price would be lower on Smith, but it feels like that. that's why, you know, there's probably like 15 GMs right now constantly calling David Poyle asking about those guys, and, yeah. and, and he's slot right in on your third line and instantly generates some offense yeah. for you. And so, yeah, it's tough. If you, if you feel like, you know, especially with the way they've used their players, you can make the argument that, like, because they have, the usage hasn't really been there where, like, how much would the team drop off as opposed to if you could get, you know, premium draft pick for those guys would be interesting. But yeah, it does kind of send a tough message as well, where if you're just kind of throwing in the towel in the season when you're this close to the wild card. Yeah, that's, you know, David's, you know, obviously he thinks about his decisions at nauseum and he would be well thought out. And, it, you know, it's, it'd be, you know, one like last year, I guess, would be the Fiala Granlin. It was mm-hmm. kind of a sideways trade. Right. Um, in terms of production, Kevin's, uh, you know, nice young player that's got the potential and yep. Granlin, you know, higher end, more, more point production, more established guy. So, but it was kind of a, you know, good trade for right. both kind of things. So th- there's those kinds of deals that are out there too, um, I think, but it's, I'd like to be a fly on a wall for those conversations. So to see, see how it goes down, but I bet there are teams calling just, you know, throwing out the feelers right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to, man, it's it's tough because I get that, especially in the John Hines, they want to be more defensively solid. They want to kind of throw their goalies a bone and make life easier for them. But like, on the one hand, if I was running this team, I'd just fully commit on the speed end of it and just try to not necessarily outscore all your problems, but like really double down on that type of part of the game. And so, I don't know, we'll, we'll see what they do, but it, 
I, I wish they like it felt like two years ago when they were at their absolute apex like they were really like embracing that and for whatever reason they've kind of gone away from it over the past couple of years. yeah i think you know I, I don't know if it's uh you know that the way that they used to play that we were a fast team but they've never really had a team that you know they've kind of scored by committee yeah they, they, you know i think they've only last point of game guy was paul korea yeah back yeah, in, my, in my day a yeah. long time ago so i feel like the, but there are a team though that can really come at yet ways and the, the skating ability especially when they, they have their top four when ryan ellis is there it's just a yeah. really tough team they had that five-man attack where they'd get in the offensive zone and everybody's yeah, interchanging yeah. you know it was really exciting fast paced type of hockey and you know you you know you spend more time in the other team's end chances are you're probably going to win. You might give up a few right. chances here and there, but, you know, that's why you pay the goalies. And they've, you know, this year's been in tough for them. But in, in past, they've, you know, they've bailed the, the teams out when they're able to play that way and give up those types of chances. But they, you know, they dictated the majority of the hockey games. Okay, well, let's talk about goaltending. Um, I want to I pick a random about, about some stuff. Do you think uh, when you look at the landscape now of the league and, and, and the position and sort of demands of it and how much things have changed to, you know, more and more teams are embracing on B, you're kind of getting away from the 65, 70 starts per season goalie, but also like the demands in terms of the players are more talented, that the skaters are more, or the shooting talent is with the equipment, but also like the training. You look at Forsberg up close every night, but you know, Austin Matthews, so on and oh, so yeah. forth. These guys are shooting from all these crazy angles where, you know, most goalies can still, if you get set and you can see the shot and you can prepare for it, and you know, it's coming, you're yeah. going to stop it. Yeah. But these guys now don't really give you an opportunity to do so. So do you, on the one hand, like, do you feel like you came into the league at the right time? Do you wish you came in a bit earlier or do you wish you were coming in now where it's like, Oh, maybe, you know, with just, it seems like it's more fun to play and so on and so forth. Like, well, how do you feel about that? Looking back, like kind of in hindsight and retrospective yeah. and, and just thinking about where it is now versus where the league was at when you were playing. Yeah. You know what? It's, it's really cool. And like you said, the, the talent level at every position is, it's just never been higher. Yeah. Um, you know, the one thing about goaltending though, is I feel back when I played and even more so before I played, I feel, which I really thought was awesome is every goalie, kind of had their distinctive style. Mm. So, you know, you, you would know who it was if you could be far away and you watch them play and, you know, hey, that's, you know, that's Grant Fear. Yeah. That's Andy Moog. You know, they play together, two of the most different goalies. Yeah. But, you, you know, they were very distinct. Now I think everybody looks kind of the same. Yeah, it's more cookie cutter. It's more cookie cutter, but it's because uh, of the goaltending coach as well. Right. You know, it's it's just, it's analyzed and broken down and these guys are so good and, and they, they found formulas of what works. And, uh, but like, you know, on the flip side of that, these, the way that the, the league's doing the rules, you know, the stick on the hands to penalty guys have more time to make, yep. you know, plays their skill levels through the roof. Everyone, every single guy in the league's got a bomb of a shot, yep. <laughs> you know, like everyone. And it's, uh, it's tough. I would have liked to, I like the way goalies play right now. I just think it's really, um, it is cookie cutter, but, um, you know, there's a few throwbacks. Mike Smith is still, you know, one of right. those kind of guys. Jonathan Quicker, a few uh, guys. But I don't know, era to play? Man, I don't know. It'd be tough facing uh, like <laughs> yeah. Connor McDavid. I don't know how that, this, this guy just makes it, the game. Well, and you, so look at the, you look at the moves he's been he's doing recently. He's doing that move where, like, because he, he blows by the defense so effortlessly through the neutral zone and into the zone. But then when he approaches the goalie, you're probably you're seeing this kind of like comet coming at you a million miles per hour. And you have to sort of pick, and you're leaning one yeah, way. You have but then to he, move he, with them. he does this like little like chip now, where he sort of like lofts it over the yeah. goalie in the opposite direction where he's leaning. Yeah, and it's like because well, he knows the goalie has to push you, to you the have other to side. Go, other, otherwise, he'll blow past yeah. you and go around you. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, his hands. Uh, 
he tried that on Saros. Saros actually stopped him yeah. last game, but but he we scored the the highlight. But he does it from both sides. He couldn't do it on his forehand or backhand. Yeah. But uh, he's you know he's a unique guy though. There's not many not many like him or Drysaddle for that matter. They're, Although it feels both. like I mean. The goalies have kind of adapted as well. Not, 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 to, yeah. not, not to say that goalies from your era were unathletic no, or anything, no. or, but, but like it feels like even now. I mean, Saros is is such an anomaly in terms of the size, but yeah. he still has the athleticism. But like now, you're seeing these guys. Like when you watch Andre Vasilevsky on a nightly basis, like he seems almost like bored by yeah. by how easy it is to stop. Them. So he's like contorting his body and yeah. he's trying to like save it behind his back. He's like sick. he's doing all these crazy things, and it's yeah. like now the athletes are trickling into the goalie position as well. And when teams are drafting, it's like. If the guy's like not six two, they're probably yeah. not even looking his way. But he needs to still have the speed and the agility of like a five ten guy. They're they're freaks. Like now, you know, it used to be the you know guys were big blockers. You know, a lot of the French yeah. Canadian goalies that yeah. was a style for a while. And you'd play the percentages. Now these guys, I remember when Pekka came in as a young kid, and I saw him. He's six five, and and the way that he moved, and you, you know, you talk about the athleticism of the guys now. Like he he really changed. I feel for the the position as those big guys that are able to do that now they're all Vasilevsky's a freak yeah you know they all are at that size and I think you know for Saros um first year he came in the league I felt that you know the the second half of the season he started getting exploited up top right but he made he's made the adjustments and now he's you know the 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 position, the specialized coaching, Ben Vanderklok's the goalie coach. He's an incredible goalie coach, but the amount of time and hours that they put in on, you know, game tape and yeah. research and different goals being scored and just the little intricate details of the position. It's crazy. These guys are, uh, it's, uh, it's never been better. Just like, you know, the players, I think the goaltending, it's never been better. It's a, it's a science. Well, you know, what's interesting. It, it, it always bugs me when, commentators during games talk about how it's like oh this goalie's weakness is like the high glove or something it's yeah. like well yeah like yeah. every shot that goes bar down and has perfectly picked a corner it's like that's every goalie's yeah. weakness right and yeah. and so you know with Saros it, it, it is interesting because obviously as a smaller goalie maybe he gives up more net up high but goalies are so good these days they like shooters are pretty much almost always trying to go high especially from distance because like, time, you're not yeah, going to beat sure. the goalie in the bottom half of the net no no you can't and it's, it's the aerial angle and that's the the thing you know that that goalies are getting so good at too is they know that so if you move your glove you know three inches out mm. you're taking away that aerial yep. angle so if it, it's it's pretty you know pretty cool when you have a visual of a puck and you get the ipad down there and you see you know your hand position is beside your body but if you put it three inches forward that takes away that top part of the net and these guys these guys know that and saros has done a really good job um with his hand positioning to help you know make take away those high shots yeah well and saros is you know he's interesting from the perspective of he really fits into this and i think you can speak to this obviously because you know you, you certainly you paid your dues and you were bouncing around the minors and you, I, what was your first full season in the league you were probably like 28 or 20 like he was like yeah, i was 20s, older right like you were in like, like oh yeah i was mid 20 i played yeah, six years at in the least minors. right yeah. yeah and so um you know the league has we talk about all the changes you know the skaters especially whether it's for mostly forwards you know teams are still kind of scared about throwing their defensemen into the deep end early on but you know players are younger than ever yeah. trying to maximize when they got those, those fresh young legs get them out there on those elcs maximize their value yeah with goalies, it's still a bit slower. You know, you see like the Flyers, for example, they kind of out of necessity put Carter Hart in there. Yeah. But for the most part, teams are still reluctant to 
they want their goalies to kind of develop and really sort of refine their games in the minors and then when they bring them up and Soros is a great example you know it helps when you have a legend like Rene and, and he sort of is going to get his these 50 starts no matter what yeah. but you know Soros has been in the league now for a couple of years and I think people like myself are like I want to see more of this guy because yeah. it's so intriguing as a talent but the Predators like like weaning him like on like really slowly where it's like every year he gets a couple more yeah. starts and he's getting there now especially under Hines you know he's been a bit hot lately so they've been kind of going like 1A 1B more so but the developmental curve for goalies is 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 so such a unique thing as well where and I wonder whether it's right or wrong you know I, I think of a guy like Corey Schneider where you wonder now he has all these injuries that have to do career in his early 30s but the Canucks were so slow with him because they had yeah. Luongo yeah. where like he wasn't a full-time player in the league until he was 25 26 and you know if a team did that with a skater everyone would be like this insane yeah and so I, I wonder whether teams would be better off throwing their goalies in sooner but you're right it's it's such like a mental game as well where you also like if a guy's not ready whether yeah. physically or mentally you don't at 22 want to you know steve mason style like, yeah. submarine their career as well either exactly you don't want to because I, I just feel if you go from a goalie position to defense to forward that's probably to me inter- the most pressure i think on a, on a position and you know when you, if you have that young goaltender um and he is nhl ready in terms of his ability um you don't want him to be a backup goalie you want yeah. him to play you know get 50 60 starts in the minors yeah. and work on his game and, and, it, and the pro game is different i find you know guys uh you, you don't like carter hart i was kind of a little bit worried about him you know from a you know hockey fan perspective because he's a super talent yeah. and you're going to that team but he came up and you know he might be, he's one of those special guys that i think has the the mental uh strength to be able to deal with those types of situations yeah. he's been you know he's played a big international hockey games, high pressure, you know, all those types of things, been a, a top junior player. But I feel like defensemen are the same, like Qu- Quinn Hughes, yep. uh, Kale McCarr. These guys are, you know, there's not many defensemen that are going to come up as a young young player and be successful in the mm-hmm. league. Uh, Dante Fabro, he's a little, a little older, but he's, he's doing, yep. I, I feel it goes goalie, then defense. At Fords, there's just, there's, there's not as much responsibility. Yep. I think you can go and attack the game. If you make a couple mistakes here and there, it's, it's correctable if you're a defenseman. It's tough to hide, yeah. you know. If you're a goalie, saying you're, there's there's no hiding, and you don't want to crush a young kid. I think if he comes up and you're playing the NHL and all the spotlights and the reporters and the pressure and the highlights and everything, and um, you, you can really, I think, like you mentioned, Steve Mason, he ended up having a you know a yeah, good career. A resurgence, yeah, yeah, he had a resurgence. But I think uh, you know it's it's tough for a young goaltender to have a lot of success in the league well i was talking to uh our mutual friend kevin woodley about this in the podcast recently and we were talking about how like you know in terms of the tracking data and, and analytics like he knows that individual goalies especially in the off season you're like you're really pouring over you're doing your homework because you can really learn both tendencies of shooters but also of yourself in terms yeah. of where you're vulnerable and susceptible and what you need to work on and, and sort of your own habits and so it feels like there's also like this like a layer of of off ice sort of work as well in terms of like the preparation that goes into it as well. Not that skaters are just like st- putting on their uh, skates and just getting yeah. on the ice. Like there's certainly you know the nutrition, the workouts, the yeah. the preparation, the watching tape. Like you're you're doing all that obviously, but like the preparation for a goalie also feels like it's kind of like so intensified as well. Oh, it is. I mean, it's it, it's crazy the off ice training and conditioning these guys do. Um, but the, the biggest thing though, for, for a goaltender, and we're talking about a, a young player is, is your mental strength or your, your, the way that you're able to deal with these situations. They're, they're all super athletes. I know Pecorine's, you know, these, these guys, he's 37 or is he 38 now? 
Yeah, he's in late thirties. Let's say late thirties. Yeah. yeah, but he's uh, you know the, the off ice stuff that he does to keep his fitness level high even during the season is just incredible. Um, well, especially when like well, it's been a couple of years now, but he had yeah. an injury with his hip that yeah. could have potentially like it's derailed many goalies in the past. And the fact that he bounced back and had that Vesna caliber season after also. Yeah, exactly. And there, you know, it used to, it's so funny too because when I was growing up, goalies barely worked out, you know, until, you know, I didn't really have a drink, smoke a cigarette. Yeah. Or, you know, it was just, it was, yeah, go, just stop the puck. And, yeah. you know, there wasn't any coaching and now there's, like you said, everyone's got their own trainer. Everyone's got their own, you know, some guys have their summer goalie coach mm. who they train with and, um, you know, summer programs. And then you have your, your team goalie coach and, and programs and things like that. It's just every layer of the game and the preparation and the training is just it's it's like levels we've never seen before but it's that's why they're the best in the world like that's why hockey's the best it's ever been yeah i mean it sounds seems like a lot of work maybe maybe you came in at the right time maybe, maybe yeah i think, yeah, I think about more i think about it i think no <laughs> but i love it though i i loved like because i ended up i loved you know the ev- evolution of that mm-hmm. position and the right. training and it, the goaltending coach i didn't have a you know i never had a goalie coach till i turned till i turned pro right. basically mitch corn was my my first goalie coach yeah. Um, you know, on a full-time basis. So, it, it, but now everyone's got, you got one for the NHL, you got one for the minors, you got one for, you know, your prospects. It's, it's, it's just crazy. And, you know, they, they've got all these programs and all these, you know, you know, Kevin Woodley does a great job with, mm. with his stuff, especially for the goaltending community, but all these new uh, levels of training and just different resources to, to help improve that position. Well, Woodley, Woodley's big thing, and this is the last thing we'll, we'll talk about before we get out of here, but Woodley has like a, a whole thing that I've talked to him about on the show about when, I'm fascinated by this interplay of defensive systems and goalies, right? And, and we see, like, whether it's the Islanders or the Stars or the Bruins, like, not to diminish the exploits of the goalies there, but it feels like you more interchangeable where you can put a guy in there and he can have a career season. Oh, yeah. Everything in front of him makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Whereas if you're playing on this run-and-gun style, you're exposed to all these chances off the rush oh, yeah. and, and just, you know, higher-caliber saves. Um, you know, you as a, as a former goalie, I wonder, like, how much of it is that is that sort of like trust level with your defense as well where you know one thing that really sticks out to me with a team like the Blue Jackets for example now and the success that Lewis Merzlikens is having is we talk about how a goalie can make a save when they know where the shot's coming from for him yeah. he can be more aggressive and line up a shooter because he knows that whether it's David Savard or Seth Jones is going to be behind him to prevent that sort of east-west tap-in pass behind him. So he can just focus on the shooter, yeah. and then he can adjust if the puck moves. Whereas for some of these other guys, if you don't trust that your defenseman's behind yeah. you, and all of a sudden you're leaning, maybe the shooter has more of an advantage. Like, yeah, you're What's that interplay up. like as well? Yeah, it's great. You know what? You, as a goaltender, whether you're the best, you're a product of your environment. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have, like you said, if you, you go in an Islander situation, you, you know uh, they're solid defensively, they're committed to it, the shots become predictable. Right. And situations yeah, become you know where it's coming from, so you can prepare for just that shot. Yeah, you can focus in. There's no, there's no two, three, four different options that this player might have. But mm. somebody in LA, like Jonathan Quick, has been having you know a tough couple of years uh, statistically. But you know, the way that they play defensively, the the, the guy coming in the zone's got four different things he could do. He could say <laughs> it in his own. You know, it's just it's just so not structurally sound. It's actually getting they're getting a little bit better this year. But uh, but for a goalie, it's you know you could put the best goalie in the world on the worst team and he's not going to have good numbers. Well, you're seeing that with Bobrovsky. This is yeah, <laughs> exactly. You yeah. go down there and you know, he, he puts up, he's a, he's a Vesna, right. You know, guy every year. And then he goes down there and it's, it's just not, you can't do it. It yeah. doesn't matter how good you are. All right, man. So this is a blast. I'm glad we finally got to do this. Yeah. Uh, thanks, so people man. can check you out for all the Preds games on a uh, Fox sports, Tennessee, right? That's yep. yep. And uh, do you have anything else you want to plug or where can people find you on? No, just uh, Twitter at CMace 30. And, 
like to have fun on there. So yeah, follow along. Well, if you beautiful, want. man. This is a best. I'm glad we got to do this, and let's definitely do it again sometime. Thanks, brother. Cheers. Appreciate it, man. Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey PDOcast.